Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. And today, we're talking about... Outbreak File 2. <laughs> I was waiting for you. <laughs> I, I delivered. I, delivered. <clears throat> I appreciate that. Before we start, I would like to say to the listeners, I'm very sorry for the week off that we had. I was in the hospital, and I'm all better now, but... I just want to say I'm sorry for the week off. Everything's going to resume back to normal now. We'll have our weekly releases again. Well, first off, you don't have to say you're sorry for being sick and put in the hospital. <laughs> well, when you're expecting an episode yeah. and we don't deliver, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I get where you're coming from. It, it's it's I know personally it's quite a bummer when I'm listening to a show and it's like, oh, what happened? Why didn't it come out this week? But, you know, things happen. We're still people. Maybe. Or, or robots. <laughs> they might people. have injected me with some things in the hospital. Oh, so. no. I know I saw an umbrella core truck drive past the hospital. Shh. We don't talk about that. <laughs> well, at any rate, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode and discuss Outbreak File number two. Dose. It was so good they had to make a second one. I mean, I did enjoy the first one, which brings me to the fact that we never gave the Leons, Rebecca's, or Nemesis slash hunks for Outbreak File 1. Oh, all right. Go ahead and give them. I'm going to give it a four out of five Leons. A four out of five Leons? I really enjoyed the game. It was a lot of fun. The only thing that would have that took away the five Leons was the different scenarios. I can't. You get lost on them, kind of. Yeah, I'm very much a one one storyline type of person. Yeah, it's just not for me. So that's why it only gets four. I am. I'm gonna go ahead and give it three. 
hunks Ouch. out of five. And here's here's my reasoning. OK. I feel like there could have been a better tie in to the rest of the actual canon storyline. I feel like that we could have had maybe a couple like hints towards other care. I mean, we we got a couple hints that were in the areas that the main, you know, storylines about with characters, but we never got that like hard confirmation like, oh, you found Leon's gun or, oh, you know, there's. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, there's that problem. The next problem I had was is the fact that you had to constantly change team members, which in the beginning was cool. After a while, it kind of wore on you because you had to go back and you had to play through and change characters if you get different storylines. And it kind of wears on you personally. Yeah. I mean, it, it felt like more work than enjoyment to me. So those are my big takeaways from that. And that's why I gave it three. All right, to the three Rebecca's out of five. <laughs> I think it could have been a longer game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that too. My whole thing was just the whole I'm very much, ooh, let's stick to one storyline. Yeah. And like <laughs> I said, they're all good points. It's still a good game. Go pick it up if you can still find it. Yes. I recommend playing it. And play it. Yeah. It's still a good game. It's just. I feel like they could have put more work into it and actually delivered something that we're used to coming yeah. out of Capcom. You know, it was probably a placeholder game. It, you know, both of these are one and two are very much placeholder games because when we get into talking about two, it's kind of the same concepts. Let's make money. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Let's dive into our discussion on. Two. All right. So, with the summary of it, it basically continues from the previous game as it is a sequel. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the scenarios in this are things that were cut from the first one. So, it's not so much a sequel as it is just talking about things that were cut. Well, it's additions because I think they, well, all the scenarios. It's just one of those. So basically, we're still in Raccoon City, and it's just more, more of missions more, in Raccoon more City. More content. More content. Could have had one big game, and they made I, it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really all I have for the summary. There's not really much to go in other than the scenarios themselves, but basically, the summary of it is, is this a sequel slash expansion. Yeah, I feel like it could have just been made an expansion. Now, keep in mind dear listener that this game came out in the playstation 2 era where dlc wasn't a thing yet and if it was you usually had to buy it on a whole nother disc which is what they did here well that and the internet was still fresh and new mm -hmm. with playstation 2 because there wasn't yep. too many games at least that used the internet yeah <laughs> so let's go ahead and dive into the rest of our discussion Let's talk plot. Let's talk plot. So the first, it's not necessarily the scenario. It's called Outbreak Revisited. It's not a true scenario, but a tutorial and a means for players of the original Outbreak to learn some of the new gameplay mechanics available in File 2. Okay. The locations are lifted directly from areas of Outbreak, such as Jay's Bar, 
The tutorial teaches the player the controls of the game by scattered notes found throughout the level. All right, let's take a minute here and talk about some of those new game mechanics because some of them are really cool and they did pave the way for future Resident Evil games. First one on the list is you're now able to move while firing. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now, prior to this, you had to stop, shoot, then move, which is very tedious and can sometimes get you killed. We know this from the original games. <laughs> How did you feel about it, this introduction? You get so used to a certain game mechanic that it throws you off. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I'm that person, but yeah. I got used to the whole, I'm going to stand there, then I aim, then I shoot. <laughs> that, eh, when you add something else, I mean, yeah, it was awesome, mm-hmm. but it was a new thing to learn. I'm definitely better when things do improve, especially with combat mechanics, like with the guns. Yep. For like, I would just say like Mass Effect changed things for me later, which is a completely different game, but it had a different firing mechanic at one point. So I liked that. So Resident Evil does the same thing. I would like that as well because it makes it easier for me to fire the gun. Not saying that it makes the game easier, mm-hmm. but makes it more um, player friendly. Yeah. And I like the way they introduced it in this game. It didn't, they did it in a way that it didn't make it feel like an, another FPS which was great because this is not an FPS. You know, we Resident Evil is very much a survival horror franchise. I don't want to play this game and I don't want to play any games in this series and feel it's more of an FPS than a explorer horror kind of style. Agreed. Which we will get into when we start talking about the FPS versions that came out. But at any rate, the next change is you can now pick up items while crawling on the floor. Now that was handy. Yes. <laughs> so many times in the game you would be crawling and you're like, oh my god, I wish I could have grabbed that, but nope, I gotta run. <laughs> Let me just yank. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alyssa and Kevin are able to pop shot even in dangerous situations now, which is uh, well, sorry, not situations, but status. In danger status. Which is helpful. So helpful. Yeah, because you... you You rely on those pop shots a lot in the game. Uh, It is now possible to play multiple of the same types of characters in online games. So, honestly, I could care less about this one. I mean, I'm so used to when you're playing an online game with friends, having to pick another character, it didn't really matter to me. I don't know how you guys felt. I think it would just be funny to see all of the same character (laughs) in one scenario. Why is everybody Alyssa? (laughs) Um, Let's see here. You have a transferable extra at the start of the game. So you have an item in your inventory that is transferable for all characters, which was a nice little add on because honestly, I felt like these people just walked into the game the first time in the first outbreak and you just. You were there. That's pretty much it. Like you didn't have anything. There's no way these people started with nothing. Well, when you're random people in a bar, yeah, you kind of do start off with nothing. Yeah, but I mean... You Not had, anticipating a zombie apocalypse either. You've got a cop. Of course, they're going to have a gun. Unless he's I off mean, duty. You know, but we already know he wasn't off duty. Listen, He was drinking I'm at the bar on duty. No, no. Trying <laughs> to come up with excuses. I mean, you did start with some items in the first one, but none of them were transferable. 
Um, well, not I wouldn't say none of them. Most of them weren't transferable. But anyway, uh, in this one, Yoko cannot shoulder ram anymore and can only do face pushes. Mm, that was kind of a deal breaker for me. I'm indifferent. Do share. My indifference? Yes. I'm okay either way. <laughs> That's what being indifferent is. How'd you feel about it, Daniel? I'm okay with it. Didn't matter much to me. I mean, I liked the I liked the shoulder check because it felt like it gave a little bit more umph. The face push just kind of it just feels like you just push them away. I mean, it does make them more unique, mm-hmm. giving them ability to do something. Um, there's a couple other ones here. I'm not going to go too much in because they didn't really change a whole lot. Um, but one I really did want to talk about here is that Jim can swing a melee weapon very fast, but it leaves him winded afterwards. So that's a mechanic that was introduced in this one. That was kind of cool. It made it feel a little bit more realistic. Yeah, that's what I took on it. It was more realistic. Yeah, you know, and a lot of these changes, the ones that I'm not going to quite go over just because, you know, timing of the show and they're not really major changes. That's what most of the other changes were to make the game feel more realistic. So, but yeah, that's what we got for a couple of the new features. So what do we got going into the rest of our plot? Let's hit the first scenario. Mm-hmm. Wild Things. So, Wild Things, known in Japan as Roar, as the first storyline scenario in Outbreak File 2. Searching for a way out of the chaotic city, <clears throat> Cindy Lennox finds her way to the gates of the Raccoon Zoo. Reading a note on a sign mentioning an evacuation chopper, she realizes that she must cross through the zoo to reach the extraction point. The survivors unlock the gate and enter the deserted park, only to be attacked by a rogue zombie elephant. You know how terrifying that was? I'm so glad that they did this, because in so many, so many of the games, we were left wondering... You know, you see flyers for the Raccoon City Zoo and things, and you know how many fans back in the day were like, I want to see the zoo. I want to see the zombified creatures. This mission was so cool just for that. Just the elephant alone was cool enough. It was terrifying. (laughs) Escaping it, they explore the park in search of Mr. Raccoon Metals, which are required to activate the power. While at the same time, the survivors fought their way amongst the hordes of undead beasts. Eventually, the survivors escape the zoo after a brief fight with infected lionesses. Ugh. Again. Terrifying? Yeah. <laughs> so cool. They only have two choices, fight for survival or end up at their jaws. Eventually, the survivors escape the zoo only to be greeted by the zombie elephant or zombie lion in a final duel. After the death knell of the beasts, the survivors make it to a tram and attempt to make their way their own way out. However, the tram stops violently as the rescue helicopter crashes nearby, killing 40 refugees. And that is what I have. 
for mission one. For mission one. That's a lot of refugees to kill. Yeah, that was... That was a pretty sad moment in that game. The next one is called Underbelly. Known in Japan as Otherworld. And it is the second scenario. And takes place in South Raccoon Street Station. Jim Chapman and several other survivors run past countless zombies and race towards a subway entrance. While taking refuge, they realize that they can use one of the subway trains to escape, but search deeper to unravel more clues. While wandering around the employee passage, they find out that they need two emblems to separate the train. As they search for these emblems, they also realize the train is lacking electrical power, forcing them to find a way to open the transformer without getting shocked by the flooded power room due to a broken pipe. They fix the flood, but the pipes aren't fixed yet. The survivors travel back to the breaker room and set the voltage correctly so that electronic objects may operate. This opens the electrically locked storage room where the survivors find the duct tape needed to fix the pipes because duct tape fixes everything. They fix the pipe and find one emblem on the floor. The survivors travel back to place the emblem only to be greeted by a big mutated flea. They kill the creature and place the emblem. So something I want to point out here before we go any further. What's really cool about the Outbreak file games is in these games, we get to explore other aspects of Raccoon City. And I mean, realistically, if you were to take the first couple games that explore Raccoon City and take all their level designs and maps, you could probably build a reconstructed model of what Raccoon City actually was. Yeah. So, you know, when we play these games, we start, we we tend to think it's like a small scale thing. But when you actually add these things together, Raccoon City is massive. It's a city. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I'm just teasing. Yeah, it is a massive. It's huge. I just wanted our listeners to think about that for a second. <laughs> So, anyways, afterwards, they hear an announcement of an incoming train. This train was reactivated by the electric surge during one of its normal routes. The train derails and crashes into some debris, blocking the track. This causes an inferno, which causes smoke to rise up. Before the survivors choke, the sprinkler system activates and hose down the raging inferno, revealing the last emblem on the platform next to the train wreckage. The survivors quickly place the last emblem and the train separates. The survivors get ready to finally leave the station until a huge appendage smashes one of the windows and kidnaps one of the survivors. The survivors rush to save the person only to find a massive flea with its offsprings, realizing that the only way to get out of the subway was to kill the creature and get away by train. They take down the horrifying creature with pure firepower and finally escape. Unfortunately, this doesn't take them far as the train stopped at block tracks near Arclay Mountains, forcing them to move on foot, still not escaping the outbreak. 
Another sad scenario. Oh, yeah. I think this game is... There's a lot of them in File 2. A lot of sad scenarios. Yeah. So, the third scenario is Flashback. Known as Memory in Japan. And is centered around an abandoned hospital in the Arclay Mountains. When Alyssa Ashcroft and two other survivors take refuge in an old cabin, Al enters the cabin and welcomes them. He guides them or lures to the abandoned hospital and suddenly disappears once the survivors reach the suspension bridge leading to the hospital. They find out that not only the old man now transforms into a masked man with an axe, but the hospital is being consumed by a malicious plant named Dorothy. The survivors must destroy all the throbbing parts of Dorothy to anger or activate the plant core in the basement. After killing Dorothy, it spits out Al's dead wife, who had died of cancer years ago. The survivors have to escape the hospital from the back door before the hospital collapses. Not too much on plot, but... Alright, the next one is Desperate Times, known in Japan as The Last Defense. And it takes place at the Raccoon Police Station, somewhere between September 27th and 28th of 1998. With the Raccoon Police Station now lost to the zombies, Lieutenant Marvin Branagh and a group of survivors make plans to escape through a series of tunnels under the station. But as Rita Phillips is the only officer small enough, it is her mission to get to the other side and send help back for the others. Lieutenant Branagh entrusts the survivors with finding plates to open the passage and, when done so, Rita head out, heads out for help. Finding Harry, who is driving a van. While the two make their way back to the station, the other police officers are killed in various circumstances. Fred is killed by crows on the helipad. Aaron is killed by zombies. Sorry, Aaron. It's okay. <laughs> oh, zombies climbing over the east stairwell fence. And Tony is killed by the Dobermans when he tries to rescue them. This leaves just Lieutenant Brannock and the survivors left. They head outside as zombies begin climbing over the fence and for several minutes fight for their lives. When Harry's van arrives, Lieutenant Brannock has been injured by the zombies and chooses to stay behind. Hmm. Good old Marvin. He's a hero. He is. And that is the plot on that. So the next one and the last is End of the Road, known in Japan as Breakthrough. Its objective is to escape Raccoon City with or without the cure. So, it is the early hours of October 1st, 1998. Captain Rodriguez, a rogue USS operator, is ready to abandon Raccoon City in a Chinook carrying a stolen B.O.W. His passenger, Dr. Linda Baldwin, 
refuses to go just yet, and rushes to the Umbrella R&D Center to obtain an antiretroviral drug that could be of use in halting the spread of the T-virus. At the center, survivor David King saves an Umbrella researcher, Dr. Carter, from a zombie as the experimental hunter R's started escaping from containment. Dr. Baldwin arrives and obtains the sample she needs, but with the facility on lockdown due to the escaped BOWs, they cannot escape. Dr. Carter begins work on activating Tyrant R, intent on using it to kill the hunters to allow for escape. Dr. Carter boasts being able to kill the tyrant should it rebel, possessing a trigger to a bomb planted within its body. The tyrant does indeed rebel soon after, but succeeds in killing him and sending Dr. Baldwin and the sample falling into the water treatment plant below. King's survivors escape the facility and travel into the water treatment plant where they find Dr. Baldwin, who tells them that the virus spreading around was created by Umbrella. An influx of water begins to flow through the facility, sweeping Dr. Baldwin down the sewers. She gets out outside the Apple Inn, where she is mistaken for a zombie and shot by UBCS team leader Arnold, who has orders by Umbrella to kill Captain Rodriguez and cover the BOW he stole. The other survivors get out of the water treatment plant while Captain Rodriguez is willing to take the survivors with them. He is waiting for Dr. Baldwin and they go out looking for her. The scenario's plot deviates between the player choices after reaching the surface. While exploring a timer, while exploring, a timer will eventually appear as the UBCS and Captain Rodriguez receive orders to evacuate the city ahead of the approaching missiles. They may recover Dr. Baldwin and take her back to the Chinook as Tyrant R begins another attack, or choose to abandon her and save themselves, as Captain Rodriguez will not wait any longer when the timer runs out. If the player succeeds, the Chinook flies the survivors out of the city as it is bombed. If the player refuses or fails to get to the Chinook, they will instead head to an office building used by the UBCS as their base, and which leads to the highway overpass where army trucks can be commandeered. In this turn of events, the Chinook is shot at and drops its BOW cargo on the overpass with the creature, Nix, escaping and killing the UBCS operators. The survivors with Dr. Baldwin, if the player wishes, travel to the highway overpass and kill Nix, which has now absorbed the tyrant into its being. Upon its defeat, they commandeer a truck and drive out of the city as it is destroyed. So it's a longer one, but it's the end one. <clears throat> yeah, and it's interesting that they gave you two choices to escape. Mm-hmm. That one, I did like that aspect of this one, that you have a choice of your ending and it's the good ending. Like, you have a choice of getting out. Yeah. So, well, all that being said, we've talked about our plot. Let's go ahead and dive into the middle of the 
episode. Well, here we are in the middle of the show. And the first thing we have to do is thank our patrons. Woohoo! So I'm going to go in order here. So we have our official patron, Anthony Bellotti. We have our all-access patron, Remington Cloutier. And we have our VIP patrons, Wolfslure and Isaiah Davis. Huge thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Here soon, we're going to have our patron episode, and Isaiah and Wolf are going to be joining us for that, we hope. We know Wolf will. He's, he's pretty hyped for it. <laughs> so, again, thank you, patrons, for everything. We're working on getting some more awesome stuff to each tier um thank you all for your patience with us it's been a wild ride with everything and we're very busy so we're gonna take this week to edit up the patron tiers and make it wonderful for you but on that note let's dive into what we brought this week ariel oh i'm back to going first (laughs) well Like usual, I read an article. Oh. Yes. Reading's bad. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Listeners, reading is not bad. Don't listen to him. Anyways, this article comes from Game Rant, and the title of it is New Capcom Report is Bad News for Resident Evil Switch Fans. Uh-oh. I know. So, last year, Capcom was hit with a ransomware attack that prematurely leaked the company's plans for the next few years. Yep. The leaks have proven to be accurate so far, though one game mentioned in the leak has yet to be revealed. Resident Evil Outrage. Hmm. And Daniel, this is for you. It's rumored that the main character is Rebecca Chambers. Yeah. I... Already five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even official yet. Yeah, so this game. Mm-hmm. Unless Copcom has a swerve in store for fans, this means that the rumored Resident Evil Switch game is highly unlikely to meet its leaked 2021 release window. And if it does release, which this is a big does, this is is definitely not confirmed. So just keep that in mind. But if it is a thing, it could be released April 2022 or later. And I personally really hope it's a real thing. And I hope that it comes out. We need to buy a Switch and play it, especially Daniel. Which would mean I would also need a Switch. So if somebody wants to get me a Switch, I would find with that. I mean, me too. But really, I hope I have no idea what anything is about. You know, nothing's been, it's not mm. confirmed. So there's no storyline or anything else. It's just rumored that the that Rebecca Chambers is going to be the main protagonist. See, I can see... Capcom's had a lot of setbacks over 2020. Most companies have had a lot of setbacks over 2021 and 2020 because of COVID. So I can see them being having pushed this title back to next year. 
Although there is hope because nobody was expecting a VR Resident Evil 4 release. So, I mean... Which, by the way, listeners, is amazing and you need to get in. <laughs> but at any rate, Daniel, what'd you bring for us this week? Oh, I found merchandise again. Oh, merchandise. I mean, it's not hard to find, but still. <laughs> so back to... I love how viruses and everything look for Resident Evil generally. Mm -hmm. So I found on Amazon there is, I believe they are the, it's either Toynik store or Tonic store. It's T-O-Y-N-K. And it is the Resident Evil 3 vial vaccine replica set. Comes with a case and it has three different T-virus variants in it. Technically one would be the Nemesis Parasite, but in this case, they call it T-Virus. So you have the T-Virus, you have the T-Virus, which is the isolated nemesis enhancement. And then you also have the T-Virus A positive, which is the antivirus for this. And it runs $39.99 on Amazon. And it lists free shipping, but I don't know if it's through Amazon itself or if it's through the vendor. But you can find that on Amazon by looking up the Resident Evil 3 Vial Vaccine Replica Set. It says it's a collectible prop. I love your merchandise, but my wallet doesn't. <laughs> because I want them all. Yes. Um, I will say this. Zions that we've talked about a few times on this podcast. Yeah. I prefer the look of their product to what you would get for replicas. So Zions, if you hear us, sponsor us. <laughs> I mean, I did buy the Lost Plagas. We're, we're, and we're planning on buying a lot more. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Their, their uh, product always, it, it looks fantastic. And they they have engraved uh, the umbrella logo on some of the tubes. and th It's just fantastic. Um, and if you're interested in looking them up, Again, they are on um, Etsy. Yeah, they are on Etsy. So, I mean, the ones that you have there, they're pretty cool looking. But I, like I said, the ones that you can get from Zions are way better. It's a little bit more I mean, expensive, they, but they're way better. It looks legitly the same exact as my vial bottle. Mm-hmm. You can never have enough viruses. <laughs> I know. Ask, I need more. Ask Umbrella. Yeah. So this week I brought something in our TV movie. First, I just want to say, uh, and I feel like this shouldn't have to be said, a huge shout out to the actor who played Leon. Um, I think if it wasn't for the writers, he would have done a fantastic job playing Leon because what we saw in the movie, I'm not going to go too in depth for spoilers, but... I was happy with his acting. Yeah, we'll discuss this later. <laughs> um, but the things that have happened to him uh, recently, totally uncalled for. Totally uncalled for. But that being said, that brings me into what I've brought this week is the same people. It's a German production company that made the live action movie, uh, Constantine Films. They are also the ones that are going to be behind the Netflix series that is coming out, the live-action Netflix series that's going to be uh, around Wesker's kids. <laughs> I hope um, you heard that very loud, audible <laughs> sigh. <laughs> the Netflix series that is coming out 
they have just released on the Twitter a, a little clip of a uh, little teaser for us, if you will, of the Cerberus in flashing red and blue police lights. If you want to check out that clip, you can go to at what on Netflix on Twitter and they've got it still posted there. The original Twitter post has been taken down and replaced with a solid state picture. However, don't know why, but it was. <laughs> but the original clip is on at what on Netflix. If you want to check it out, it, it is pretty cool. Uh, I will say that they the CGI design was really good in the movie. So it's only natural that the CGI design is really good in this Netflix series. We can hope. <laughs> Optimism. Optimism. Yeah, and listeners all will put the links and all of this in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So But anyway, that's it for the middle of the show. Let's get to the end. here we are at the end of the episode so let's wrap it up with some b-o-w's all right before we do that i'm just going to mention that we are not covering characters because it is the same characters from outbreak one yeah so we don't want to beat a dead horse here (laughs) or do we well i mean if it's coming after us we're going to beat it but especially with a zombie (laughs) all right so the first b-o-w is the one that was mentioned earlier, the zombie elephant, otherwise known as Titan. Oh. And the elephant's body reacted to the T-virus infection through increased size, strength, and aggression. So already it's a large elephant and its size is increasing. Jeez. While this may be the only known case of of an infected elephant, there is no reason against other elephants reacting in a similar way. Infected elephants may also consume flesh, suggested by Oscar's attacks on the survivors with its mouth, which Oscar was the elephant, but for some reason they also call it Titan. The infected elephant's increased size led to a restriction of movement, slowing down the speed at which it could have ran. Oscar showed visual difficulties, resorting to using his ears instead. And that's what I have on the elephant. Terrifying. I just want to say they probably called it Titan because referring to the elephant as Oscar immediately makes it less terrifying. Yeah, it isn't scary. Oscar's coming for us. The Grouch. Oscar. (laughs) That's when it's got a middle name like Leon does, you know, one of the few characters from Resident Evil. It's like Oscar Titan in quotes, the elephant. Oscar T. Elephant. That might be kind of scary. <laughs> All right. So next we have the zombie lion. It, zombie lions went through a small degree of mutation following exposure to the E-strain. Primarily, the males and females experienced an increase in size brought on by an overproduction of the hormones, including somatropin or somatotropin, with other hormones being responsible for heightened aggression. Strength and agility were also enhanced as an effect of these mutations. And that's what they give on the zombie lion. Also terrifying. Not as terrifying as Oscar. (laughs) The alligator you do encounter in the zoo is, it has a name, it's known as Gnaw, 
G-N-A-W. And the only thing they really say about it is that it had an increase in size, but not by much. Yeah, it's not really. It's more aggressive than anything. Also terrifying. It's just a bigger alligator. They got them in the sewers of New York, so. Alligators (laughs) themselves are terrifying. (laughs) Well, don't go to this zoo then. I like the zoo. You won't like the zoo. I don't like zombie zoos. No. I'll tell you now. You won't like it. All right. And the last animal that I have from the zoo is the zombie hyenas. They are hyenas infected with the T-virus, just like the other ones. Unlike other infected mammals, such as the zombie lion, zombie hyenas experience increased agility and aggression, easily dodging bullets. They themselves are more comparable to the zombie dogs, whom they are more distant distantly related to. Fortunately, these animals are easily stunned by bullets and other kinds of damage. If they manage to damage a character, there's a chance that it'll put the character in the bleeding status. They always appear outside buildings and normally in packs. Once again, terrifying. Alright. You know what would be terrifying? A zombie cheetah. (laughs) Especially if it was even faster. Yeah. No, thank you. You're not running from that. All right, let me do my next B.O.W. here, which is the green zombie. As opposed to the non-green zombies? Well, the closest you'd have be the crimson head. Mm-hmm. And color-wise, I don't know if that has any correlation. Capcom, we need gold zombies. We had a gold tyrant. I know, now we need the gold zombies. It's an unlockable somewhere, some somehow. All right, so for the green zombie, there isn't much. It says, when an abandoned hospital within the mountains was taken over by mutant plants, mutant humans infected with a T-virus were parasitized by its saplings, which took up root deep within their bodies. While bodily identical to other zombies, green zombies were protected by the plants and would release a poisonous fog if the host was attacked or otherwise release the fog if the zombie attacked another. So that's, you know, something fun for you. And let me get another plant for you. Known as Dorothy. Also known as the huge plant. Its vines are shown to have grown to a point where it can take over a building with its large, tough vines. Only a certain type of solvent is able to make the vines wither, opening various parts of the hospital that are covered in the plant's thick growths. As the huge plant grew over months, the vines entangling the hospital had become the building's only support. This is shown when the survivors injected a solvent liquid into the plant's throbbing parts, weathering the plant's growth, causing the hospital to slowly fall into ruins. After the final battle with the plant's core, the huge plant's vines and tentacles began to wilt, eventually leaving the entire hospital to crumble and cave in on itself soon after. You don't give much biology-wise. That's what the biology is. I mean, I really don't feel like they have to because we already had a plant-based, enti- you know, infected entity in the first game. So, I mean, why keep beat a dead horse with more information about a plant? I mean, how much, how much more can you say about a plant, a zombie plant? Plenty. How much can you say about zombies and yet they come out with backseat zombie, they come out with green zombie, they come out with crimson heads. Yeah, but they're infected in different ways and there's different effects. You know, it's it, this one's just a plant. That's what I have on 
Dorothy, otherwise known as the Huge Plant. So, let's get into some fleas. I mean, the next B.O.W. I've got Gigabyte, which is a gigantic flea, which grew to unusual size due to a T-virus infection. Blech. It lived in the subway tunnels around South Raccoon Street Station as part of a nest populated by the smaller Megabytes. Gigabyte is introduced in the later minutes of the level Underbelly, where it is a boss enemy. This battle is triggered after the subway train is decoupled from its broken carriage, with a cutscene showing it ambush and drag away the player, or an AIPC. Whichever character was kidnapped will respond at the East Tunnel. That's Gigabyte, nasty flea. Let's go to Megabyte, where a species of mutant flea, which emerged in Raccoon City, at least one colony is known to have existed, being located at the South Raccoon Street Station's East Tunnel. The Megabyte is a species of Hemovirus insect which emerged in Raccoon City. Their origins are uncertain, such as their natural host. Though it is known they already existed prior to the events of September 23rd. The exact relationship between the megabytes and the very similar gigabyte is unknown, leaving it unexplained if gigabytes are the parents of colonies or simply megabytes that grew larger than average. And those are our wonderful flea B.O.W.s. They really didn't have a whole lot of info on them, did they? No, because they're nasty fleas. <laughs> nasty fleas. Uh, what I will say is, is that they are quite the formidable opponent. Yeah, gross. <laughs> gross. Listen, they are an insect, and everybody knows I don't like insects. That's so why. Daniel keeps giving me the insects. Ta-da. Maybe you'll get over your fear. I'm not afraid of them. I just don't like them. <laughs> so the next one I'm going to cover is Tyrant R. Tyrant R is a unique bioweapon derived from T-103 Tyrant. This Tyrant was equipped with various cybernetic components. The Tyrant R received further genetic remodeling, strengthening, and reinforcement compared to previous models, including the T002 and T103. By enhancing its genes, it was possible to create a substitute for the T103 that maintained the ability to camouflage as a human, but with improved control and combat abilities. It could be programmed for various objectives and showed an increased ability for threat perception and even some knowledge of stealth. Its durability was far greater than that of other tyrants, and even a rocket launcher would only knock it unconscious rather than blow it to pieces. The tyrant was activated by transmitting the startup program while it was inside a dedicated cold storage capsule maintained at a fixed temperature and internal pressure. To ensure confidentiality, it scrambled due to a security code in the program making a thorough direct transfer from the computer room essential. A purpose-built MO disk then input the action program into the startup control terminal. 
During its Tyrant R mutation, rock-like growths were formed on the skin, providing extra protection. The Tyrant Reborn mutation was distinct from the Super Tyrant mutation, despite the process being the same. When the Tyrant R lost its limiter, the T-virus became unrestricted and activated every cell in the Tyrant's body, starting with the skin. Due to improvements made during development, the virus increase activity led to the formation of rock-like growths on the skin that provided the extra protection. Its speed dramatically increased due to cardiovascular improvement to the point where it was difficult to see with the naked eye when, sp when sprinting. It grew large claws on each arm, just like a super tyrant. Being experimental, this model had an explosive device placed in its neck to be detonated in the case something unforeseen transpired. And I just want to say, how terrifying to cybernetically enhance a tyrant. The umbrella just keeps making them worse and worse. <laughs> they are their perfect weapons. No, it's terrifying. Tyrants are terrifying enough. I love the tyrants, but yeah, let's just send it cybernetically enhanced one. So the last one I'm going to cover is Nyx. The Nyx is a large amoeba-like blob. It absorbs its enemies into its body with tentacles. It is unique amongst Umbrella BOWs for its properties, i.e. assimilating other organisms to construct itself into much larger forms. However, it does share a similar trait to some of Umbrella's Tyrant's projects. Namely, its core serves as its central nervous system, akin to the exposed hearts of some tyrants. It's worth noting that being absorbed by Nyx does not seem to be completely lethal. The heavily wounded Tyrant R was able to twitch and attempted to escape after being absorbed. And once Nyx was defeated and melted, the Tyrant remained physically intact and was able to recover and fight Ada Wong. And that's what I have on Nyx. And let me tell you, it is probably the ugliest B.O.W. that's out there. It is quite hideous in appearance. It is quite literally just a walking mass of bodies and flesh. Yeah, it is ugly. If you get the chance, listener, Google it because it is ugly as all get out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 I by far the ugliest BOW. Well, with that all being said, we're going to make a quick stop on Easter egg and unlockable content Avenue. Are you ready I'm for this? Be Easter egg Island. Easter egg Island. I like that one better. All right. So we're not going to go too far in depth in this. Uh, the unlockables aren't too different from uh, Outbreak 1. You still get the movies and, you know, you get your extra, you know, different endings and things like that. Um, but there are 20 alternate costumes that you can unlock. Uh, I'm just going to go over some of the cooler or funnier ones. So David B has the club suit. George B has the outdoor clothes. Jim B has the basketball outfit. Uh, Yoko B is the spring dress. Mark B is casual outfit. 
Yoko's C outfit is the gym outfit. Yoko's D is kung fu costume. And Yoko E is the summer day's bikini. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> of course it would be a bikini and a sundress. Yep. Yep. Um, so a couple other ones I want to talk about here is we have in this game, we have NC MPC files. Um, that is a little different than the first game. You actually have files that discuss the NPCs and you actually have some unlockable characters in this one. Uh, you have Ben Bertolucci, Nathan and Samuel and Rita. So those are, uh, that's a brief glimpse at our unlockables. Um, the Easter eggs in this one are actually quite interesting. So on the opening movie of this game, you can see this is some zombie woman in a white t-shirt on the right side. Um, in red letters on her t-shirt, it actually says Dawn of the Dead. So yeah, if you look, if you look for the woman in the white t-shirt in the opening movie, uh, movie scene, you can, you can definitely pick out the Dawn of the Dead t-shirt. One of the interesting things that I brought up in the first game that we talked about actually gets brought into this one. You can actually see Leon and Claire in this one. What? Yes. So in order to see them driving the police car, you have to beat Desperate Time Scenario with Kevin only. You can do this under any difficulty, but you have to survive the, the entire scenario as only Kevin. At that, after that's done, Leon and Claire uh, will drive up to the police station as you're trying to escape. So you'll just kind of pass each other. I am really sad to admit that I'd never noticed that. <laughs> you have to do it only as Kevin, though, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, the next one is you can see David as a zombie. So the th in order to do this, you first have to make sure that there is no David type in your group. So none whatsoever. After that, you have to kill Mr. X in his for first form so you won't get washed away by the water. Then you take the valve handle, go to the north waterworks, and then use the valve handle to climb the ladder. If you do it right, you'll see David as a zombie trying to kill you. So... Again, nice little Easter egg that a lot of people didn't find until much later on. So those are some of our Easter eggs and unlockables for this game. Yeah, listeners, we decided to condense this into one episode instead of the normal two that we do, simply because it's a lot of the same things, the same mm -hmm. characters yep. and B.O.W.s. Yes, there's a few new ones, but it's... We could cover everything in this one episode. Yeah. And honestly, we're kind of excited to get to some of the newer games so we can discuss some of the newer mechanics and start actually attaching all of these games together in a storyline. And start on four. <laughs> well, at any rate, we're at the end of the episode covering number two. It's time for your ratings. All right. I'll go first. I have to give this a three out of five Leons. I did not enjoy file two as much as I did the first one. I, the only thing I really loved about two was the zoo. So 
Um, yeah, that's why it only gets three. It's still a good game, still worth playing, listeners. So please go play it if you can find it. However, it just wasn't my favorite. Mm. About you, Daniel. I'm probably going to give it another three, like the first one as well. Uh, it's still the whole concept. They probably could have just mm. put both games together. And since you have the same characters, I mean, some games that are sequels that have the same characters, you can make work. But this was like right after the other. And you continually, basically continuing from right where you left off. So yeah. I think it should have just been combined together. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the same three and similar reasons. I mean, I feel like it should have been it should have been combined together. Um, don't I don't feel like there was a whole lot of time taken on this. However, it's still a good game. It's still worth a pickup. Um, and it does tie in nicely with the first three games. Well, like technically four games in the canon you know lineage it does tie in nicely but again it's one of those things where i think they could have combined them yeah agreed so on that note i think it's time that we call this episode over so thank you all for listening tune in next week bye bye Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. What up tonight, City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Alteris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Yeah, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.